The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. It's that time of year again. Football soon come, and I'm ready. Yes, yes, it is that time of year where the training camps are in full swing, Teams have been practicing in pads for a couple of days, and everybody is ranting and raving about who looks good, who doesn't, and unfortunately, injuries. So hopefully, whoever your favorite team is, the football gods will bless them with a, you know, injury-free training camp and all your major players can make it to opening day. This is Note the Score. We're going to be talking about the NFC West and AFC West. We're going to preview those two divisions on this episode as this will kick off our NFL 2019 season preview. Dwayne, I'm glad that you could join me again. It's been a minute since we had a chance to talk, so I'm glad we're getting ready to talk about some NFL football. So We're going to start out West with the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams. They finished 13-3. and They lost to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Of course, everybody remembers that. Really went for it last year with a lot of signings. They signed Aaron Donald to a big contract. They signed free agent Dominican Sue. They really loaded up on defense to go after the championship, and they fell a few plays short here or there on offense and defense. So they come into the season with losses like every team. Some of those losses include the before-mentioned Indomitian Sioux, their center, John Sullivan, offensive guard, Roger Saffold, safety, LaMarcus Joyner, linebacker, Mark Barron, running back, C.J. Anderson, and quarterback, Sean Mannion. Before we move on to their additions, I'd like to ask you, Dwayne, who do you feel one or two players that, you know, they're going to feel the impact of losing out of that large list I just mentioned? I would say probably on the defensive side will be uh, Duncan Sue and also uh, Mark Barron. I think Sue Sue's presence in the middle definitely helped Mark Barron. You know, who transitioned from safety to linebacker, and that loss on the defensive end really kind of leaves a huge void because, you know, when you got the offensive line occupied by Sue, it allows Mark Barron to make those uh, tackles for loss and sacks. So that's a huge uh, impact on the defensive side. And I think on the offensive side, you know, you lose a guard like Roger Saffold, who was, who's been with the Rams his whole career until this point. And, you know, Saffold's one of the leaders when the Rams made that move from uh, St. Louis to L.A. And and now he's no longer a part of that 
process, that's very frustrating in a, in a sense as well. So I think on those on both sides of the ball, there is going to be a huge impact felt. Uh, and then even also, I forgot to add C.J. Anderson, because C.J. Anderson was really, once he got to L.A. last year after being cut from the Panthers and the Raiders, he came to uh, Los Angeles and was a really good quality backup to Todd Gurley. Basically now. Yeah, he won him a playoff game against the Eagles, basically. Exactly. So, with that, that's going to be I think that's going to be a, a huge void on the offensive side of the ball as well. So, Dallas Saffold's blocking and Anderson's presence, uh, you know, take the load off of Todd Gurley. That's going to be a very, very huge loss for the Rams. Important additions to the team. They signed Eric Weddle. They've also signed Clay Matthews, Blake Bortles. They drafted Sailor Tyler Rapp and uh, drafted Greg Gaines on defense as well. Um, another note, their coach and GM both received four-year extensions, so they're signed through uh, 2023. So Sean McVay and Wes Snead have uh, long-term security out in L.A. after that deep run to the Super Bowl. Now, as far as the additions go, they upgraded at safety. It looks like they're trying to get better safety play. They got some more. I don't know. Uh, they kind of play a 3-4 defense. They play more of a hybrid defense. So Clay Matthews will have spots where he could probably be not, maybe not an every down player, but a spot rusher. Do you think that Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle will give their defense enough punch that if they do get into another situation like they were in the Super Bowl, that maybe they can keep the game close in the moments that they need to so their offense can you know get one or two more chances at the ball? I think it does get they do have a nice impact in terms of in terms of what they can bring to the table. Still plenty of still plenty left in the tank in both players. Uh homecomers for sorts for Clay Matthews because he gets to play in the same stadium playing college ball at USC. Um so that's also motivation right there. I want to say though with that, I would say the Rams weren't really that far off if we really want to think about it. They just could not get anything going offensively. They had the plays defensively. So I think, yeah, if you add guys like Weddle and Matthews to the fold, this will definitely help the pass rush as well as, you know, additional safety safety help. So, you know, you lose John Johnson, yeah, it's big loss. He's a star. Definite star that Johnson is. But adding adding some experience, adding guys who either I mean you added a guy in Clay Matthews who's won a Super Bowl already. And then you have one of the more top safeties in the game in uh Weddle. Uh, this is a good. This is a win-win for the Rams. This, if they end up coming across New England again in the Super Bowl, they can get that W. 
the big question for the season for the Rams, of course, is the health of Todd Gurley. Uh, we may see uh, him maybe taking an approach, the Rams taking an approach with him like they did with Kawhi Leonard and some of these basketball players where he may, you know, if it's a surefire blowout, only play half the game for load management or something. He may miss a game where he actually isn't really that hurt, but he's nicked up just for load management because the offense is a lot different when he's not at 100%. And like you said, C.J. Anderson did a great job coming in to fill in for him. But you could see in the Super Bowl, especially when he's not able to do Todd Gurley-type things, that it really sets his offense back. And it'll also be a big question to see if Jared Goff has taken another step where now if Todd Gurley is hampered in any shape, form, or fashion, he can actually step up and win a big game or big games if he has to, uh, depending on Todd Gurley's health. I think that's kind of the next question the Rams fans have. It's like, if we go against a really good team and Gurley can't do anything, can we just have golf drop back 40 times and he bring it home? That's his next step. We'll move on to the team that finished second in the NFC West last year. That would be the Seattle Seahawks. They finished with a record of 10-6. and six. They had one job, and they did not do it as they lost to the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC wildcard game last year. The losses that they suffered, safety, Earl Thomas, wide receiver, Doug Baldwin. He retired due to injury concerns. Tight end, I mean, defensive end, excuse me, Frank Clark, guard, GJ, RJ Sweezy, and cornerback, Justin Coleman. Now, of course, um, you get two of the pillars of the Seahawks dynasty, as we've come to know it, and Earl Thomas and Doug Baldwin no longer there. So this is clearly Russell Wilson's team this year. Do you think the loss will be felt more on the defense or the offense with Earl Thomas leaving and Doug Baldwin departing as well? I think it's pretty equal if we really wanna if we really wanna look at it that way because what if the losses of because uh, Doug Doug Baldwin was Russell Wilson's uh, top target and that definitely was a fact and I think now you do have you do have Tyler Lockett. I think you drafted DK Metcalf, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, so it does, you know, this does become more of uh, Russell Wilson's team. I do agree. His leadership is definitely going to be put into play. And then you have on the defense side, Earl Thomas, who was – uh, like you said, a pillar of that uh, Legion of Boom era uh, defense. And I think now that, you know, you, when Cam Chancellor retired and then Richard Sherman left, it kind of became the writing on the wall. And, you know, Browner getting arrested and then subsequently released and then seeing about this, um, you know, seeing about, you know, Earl Thomas, of course, departing, it's going to be felt on the defense side of the ball, but I think they have the talent on the defense side of the ball to continue to be a formidable team. 
they're not going to be the dynasty they once were. It was definitely bound to happen. All dynasties come to a rough end. And this is Seattle. It's just Seattle's turn. It's just going to see. Is that Seattle? Seattle responds after after this uh, transit during this transition, I should say. Um, this is going to be the first, you know, season without Earl Thomas for Seattle. Uh, he was drafted by them. He was highly upset that they did not give him his money, and then he got his leg broken in that playoff game, and everybody remembers him flipping off Pete Carroll as he's getting carted off the sideline. And that was kind of the definitely the writing on the wall that Earl Thomas was not coming back to Seattle. <laughs> so, um, in additions that they made to the team, guard Mike Upati, uh, defensive end Ezekiel Anza, defensive end LJ Collier. Like Dwayne mentioned, they drafted wide receiver G- DK Metcalf, defensive end Cassius Marsh, kicker Jason Myers, and safety Marquise Blair. We think that, you know, everybody uh, has been talking about how Seattle's offensive line was the worst in football, that they were just, you know, not investing and they were kind of getting scrap heat players. And, you know, it was costing them a lot of wins because Russell, Russell, I don't always want to call him Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson was running for his life and they didn't have a good running game. But somehow all of that changed around last year and they found a running game. They were one of the best running teams in the league actually last year. And Russell Wilson didn't take as many sacks accordingly with that running game improvement. So now with the addition of DK Metcalf, a big, strong, physical, fast receiver, is this the year where Russell West Russell Wilson, excuse me, elevates himself into like the thirty five touchdown club this year as far as quarterback play? Yeah, so I think this this could be the year that uh Russell Wilson does this and Here's why, you know, you have you have more freedom to you have more freedom in the offense. You were getting that freedom before, but I think Pete Carroll kinda was holding him back a little bit. You get the big you get the big contract. So, you know, the he did get that big contract essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now now that you have the big contract extension, this is really them saying, okay, this is your team. And now, with that being said, he's got the weapons. He has the line now, better line, a more improved line. It's really going to be about health at this point. And what's the best thing I'm trying to stand here with the best way to put it? I'll say this. What we need to do is for Seattle is get this team, you know, make sure their offense is good. Make sure they get a good running game to complement that. We need to make sure that uh, Chris Carson, CJ Procise, whoever's going to be touching the ball the most, get some good gains. You got to have balance in this league uh, no matter what. Anybody says, I know it's a quarterback league. I know the aerial attack is key, but you got to have a good running game to balance everything out. So I think Russell Wilson can get to 35 touchdowns this season. He's always constantly looking to improve and get better and stay evolved. 
All right. Uh, speaking of extensions, Seattle did give Bobby Wagner, uh, their great linebacker, his money uh, a couple of days ago. So he's, you know, in the fold for a couple more years to head that defense and lead those young guys. So they're looking for big things uh, over in Seattle. They're looking to improve on the, you know, uh, playoff run and get a couple of steps farther uh, this season. Now we turn over to the San Francisco 49ers. They finished 4-12. and uh, Their losses include wide receiver Pierre Garçon, punter Bradley Pinion, and defensive end Cassius Marsh. I don't know if any of those people will be important losses. Maybe Pierre Garçon, just because he appeared to be Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, favorite target. But, uh, you know, he could always come back later in training camp. He's a free agent right now. He hasn't signed with any teams. And a team that has such a young defensive line, seems funny that they would give up so quickly on Cassius Marsh, though. Yeah, that was very interesting that they kind of let him go, you know, so soon. But uh, when you do have a Bosa in the draft at a high pick, you have to grab him as quickly as you can. So I also understand that point as well. All right. Now their additions include defensive end D Ford, who they traded for in the offseason. Like Dwayne said, they drafted defensive end Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. They get Quan Alexander from out of Tampa, Tevin Coleman from Atlanta, Debo Samuel and Jordan Matthews, uh, two wide receivers join the club, as well as cornerback Jason Verrett. I guess the biggest addition will be the return of health of Jimmy Garoppolo, who missed uh, most 13 games. I think it was thinking at hurt in game three uh, with an ACL injury. Uh, he will not be participating in the preseason, but he at least the opener, probably not m- most of the preseason. Maybe he'll get some work in that third game. But uh, I think San Francisco is going to take it slow with his recovery because they like their backup quarterback and Nick Mullins. Storyline for San Francisco, I think, is can they just improve and get to 8-8 eight and eight and maybe, you know, be this year's Cleveland Browns where we expect them to be improved just how many games? Well, not only is San Francisco looking to improve, you know, and try to get to A and A. This team is looking it's even loftier goal. They're looking to Super Bowl or bus well. Well they must have a lot of uh trust in the Shanahan running game with Tevin Coleman then. They they, they really do. I think if if you're looking at uh, I'm trying to see if they're you're looking at um, you got Matt Brain in the backfield on offense, and I think Garcon was Jimmy G's target until he started developing a bond with Marquise Goodwin. And I think now that Marquise Goodwin is uh, Garoppolo's favorite target now. So I think, you know, with uh, Goodwin, George Kittle, uh, you have Dante Pettis there as well. There's some good receivers in that in that fold, mainly uh, with Goodwin and Kittle, uh, the tight end. And then on the defensive side, of course, Richard Sherman is there. Uh, Jimmy Ward, 
Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent, but you know you got a pretty good juggernaut out west. You got to get by the Seahawks, obviously. You got to get by the Rams, which is going to be the toughest challenge. And then trying to see if there's anybody else. Which no. Yeah, that's you're gonna for this for San Francisco to have like a season that they're trying to have, they're gonna have to sweep Seattle or the Rams. That's the only way that they can get to where they're trying to go in that division. Because you know, I, I doubt you know it's happened. It's hard to get three teams out of one division to go to the playoffs. You know, the mm-hmm. NFC South seems to somehow master that, but. You know, I just don't see it out here just because, it's it, you know, it's too – everybody's going to beat up on the Cardinals, we think. But who knows? We, we don't know what they have. So, we'll actually yeah. transition over to them. The Arizona Cardinals, last year they finished 3-13. and Their important losses, of, of course, head coach Steve Wilkes. They lost safeties Antoine Bethea and Dion Buchanan. They lost the linebackers Marcus Golden and Benson Mayoa. They lost their quarterback – that they picked in the draft the year before, Josh Rosen, they traded him to the Dolphins, and they also lost guard Mike Upati. So, of course, Josh Rosen would be the big name from the losses, of course, with Steve Wilkes, the whole, you know, one year, and everybody just called it a curse and doomed him and got him up out of there. Is this going to be one of those things where where they look back that man, maybe we should have had a little bit more patience, if not for Steve Wilkes, maybe for Josh Rosen. Only if the only if Josh Rosen ends up flourishing in Miami. And I wanna say that, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. And then as for as for Coach Wilkes, I think that he, of course, you know, I was very vocal about it. Now uh, he didn't even get a fair shake in Arizona, you know, one and done, literally. Uh, not the ideal kind of one and done, you know, one season and that's it. Um, you know, their head coach has a lot to prove over the next few next few weeks so yeah we'll talk about that in the additions they added coach Cliff Kingsbury who we thought was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC but nope doubled back and became the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals they drafted Kyler Murray from out of Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winner they added defensive end Terrell Suggs cornerbacks Robert Alford Tremaine Brock and Byron Murphy they also added wide receiver Andy Isabella. They also added tight end Max Williams and linebacker Brooks Reed. So, of course, all eyes are going to be on Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and what they can do as far as um, transforming the NFL with their style of offense that you know they want to bring from the college ranks into the NFL. Uh, one of the other important losses that we did not cover was Patrick Peterson. It's going to be suspended for the first four games due to PEDs. So that's going to be a blow for their defense. 
they did try to upgrade uh, some positions as they added Terrell Suggs for his rushing abilities. I'm pretty sure he won't be an everyday starter, but every play starter, but probably a, you know, definitely pass rush down guy. They got Robert Alford and Tremaine Brock to kind of, you know, help with the cornerback situation. So it looks like they had a plan definitely on defense to kind of get that geared and squared away. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and I guess Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and uh, my man, the running back, Johnson. Those are kind of the five guys that this season is going to kind of depend on. I think Johnson's going to have a good year because if nothing else is going to work, being able to throw the ball to him out of the backfield should be able to produce, you know, yards and, and maybe some points. But overall, do you think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be, do you think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a guru like uh, Chip Kelly was, or is he going to be a guru like uh, Andy Reid currently is? I'm going to say, I want to say it's going to start off Chip Kelly-like, but I think he can evolve into uh, Andy Reid. Uh, and the reason why I say that is, I think with the way the air raid attack has been transitioned into the NFL by by a few teams, uh, which includes the Browns on the home situation, because Big Rayfield is wearing those jerseys. I would say yes. Um, the reason why I say that because um, this is a team that are not only in this new transition, they are, you know, got new coach, new quarterback, you know, they're trying to change the whole culture, trying to get that culture that was cultivated a few years back and almost over a decade ago when they made it, uh, when they made it pretty win, they made it to the Super Bowl that one year and had that NFC title run uh, that ended in Carolina about four years ago. But, as for now, I want to say that, you know, it's a big question mark. Do I think that he'll be okay? Cliff Kingsbury? Yes. Do I think Kyler Murray is going to be a great player? Absolutely. Um, there's going to be a lot of growing pains to start off with. I think the one advantage Kyler Murray is going to have that most NFL quarterbacks do not have is – Really, how much of this system is he really got to learn? Right. You know, most NF, most quarterbacks coming out of college, coming to the NFL, oh, man, you know what I'm saying? They have a whole new language, a whole new, you know, process and how they see the field and what they're looking for and, you know, what their job is on the field. This, you know, changes a lot in the NFL compared to college and the offenses. But I with this – this is an offense that he's very familiar with, at least the concepts, the terminology, and, you know, what you're looking at. So I think that it could be, I don't know who their first team is that they play, but uh, if you remember 2010, that second quarter where the Redskins came out in the pistol against the Saints and kind of everybody was like, what the hell is this? That might be like what the first half is for the Cardinals in the first game, where everybody's looking around like, what the hell is this? 
Salas, like I said, is brand new, so there's no familiarity, even though the, it's familiar to some of the coaches, but the guys have to execute it. That's where it's going to be very, very tricky. And, and we've never had a coach and a quarterback combined that are, like, so both knowledgeable in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Robert Griffin was knowledgeable in it, but, you know, the Shanahan's were learning as they went along. Um, You know, um, uh, Cap was knowledgeable in the pistol, but Harbaugh and that staff was kind of learning as they went along. There's going to be no learning as they go along. This is like, you know what I'm saying, one of the architects of this thing. So, you know what I'm saying, If if there's any the counters and all that stuff. He he knows what they are. So it'll be interesting just to see how he works as an NFL coach. This is Know the Score. We just wrapped up our NFC West preview. We got one more thing that we're going to speak about, and that is the predictions. So, Dwayne, I'll ask you first before I give you my prediction. Give me who's going to be your division winner and let me know who else you think can make the playoffs and will go to the playoffs if you think they will have two playoff teams out of the NFC West this year. All right. So I'm going to say, of course, out in the NFC West, the LA Rams are going to win the division. I'm going to say the CL Seahawks. There's a toss up between the Seahawks and 49ers. My lean is going to go with the Seahawks, mainly because they have a little more more continuity than the 49ers do. Um, I would say the 49ers will be the third team, and then the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals will get 5-11. I think they're going to win a lot more games than people will give them credit for. All right. I agree with you. I'm going to say the Rams are going to be the class of the division this year. They may drop a game just because, you know, taking a little bit more precaution with Todd Gurley may cost them a game here or there. I think Seattle is going to be, I don't know, with Seattle. I don't know if they're going to improve or if they're going to go down a game or two. So, to me, I I really think that, you know, they're a bounce away from missing the playoffs at seven and nine, and they could be, you know, a bounce or two away from being back in at, you know, 10 and six. So I think those two teams are the class of the division. I do agree with you. San Francisco will probably take the jump that the Rams did a couple of years ago where they went from, you know, four and 12, three and 13 to eight and eight and almost in the playoffs. And then uh, Arizona, they're just going to be fun. I think if you're playing fantasy football, there's a lot of good players on Arizona that you might be able to get in some good positions in the draft. And uh, you might be able to win a fantasy league or two with some guys from Arizona's team. Because if anything, they're going to throw the ball around a lot. And if this offense does work, they might not score a lot of points, but they'll accumulate a lot of yards. And that's just as good sometimes in some leagues as touchdowns. So, that's what I would say for the Arizona Cardinals. It'd just be fun and to see if that style of offense can actually work. Know the score is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find Know the Score on the web at CSPN.us. You can also subscribe to Know the Score through Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and YouTube. 
Don't forget to rate and review each and every episode of Know the Score. That does help us with our, uh, you know, statistics and getting eyeballs onto the podcast. So we'll shift over to the AFC West. The winner of the division last year, the Kansas City Chiefs, they went 12-4. and They lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, that classic at home in Arrowhead in overtime. Uh, important losses to this team outside linebackers Justin Houston and D Ford, cornerback Eric Murray, and strong safety Eric Berry. So a lot of losses on defense. They've got a new defensive coordinator, a new defensive scheme, and we'll talk about the players that they added on defense as well. Do you think that the Kansas City Chiefs have done enough to stop people this year that it will advance them one position farther and into the Super Bowl in 2019. Uh, That's to be determined, but I kind of think, you know, you know, you got a new coordinator, you got the, you got a new scheme. Most of the personnel is the same. So how are the personnel that are there going to respond to this new scheme? Are they going to do well in this fourth, uh, Four three. How are they gonna do this four three versus uh, how they did a year ago? So I think there will be improvement because they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. There's gonna be some improvement, but nothing to blow blow yourself. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I got you. Important additions, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, free safety Tyron Matthew, linebackers Damian Wilson and Darren Lee, defensive ends Frank Clark, Alex Okafor, and Emmanuel Ogba, cornerback Bashad Breeland, tight end Blake Bell, running backs Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson, wide receiver McCole Hardman, and strong safety Juan Thornhill. Uh, important losses should also include uh, running back um, most of my man's name who got uh, suspended for hitting the late the young lady. Um, you know who I'm talking uh, about. He go- I know, plays I for know. Cleveland now, but I can't think of his name. Uh, it, oh man, why am I blanking on this young man's name? But uh, yeah, so he's he's a loss too because he is definitely a talent. Right, right. Um, I know who you're talking about. I. Is drawing a blank for him as well. Yeah, so that can add him to the losses as well. But um, a lot of additions on defense, as we you know highlighted when we first brought them up. I guess the biggest question is: I don't expect Patrick Mahomes to go for fifty touchdowns this year. But if you were betting out in Vegas, Dwayne, how do you feel? Over under. 50 touchdowns again for Patrick Mahomes. Well, for the cheat code that is known as Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, then I say cheat code because he's going to be the reason why there's going to be a lot of broken controllers on that in this season. So, um, I'm going to say he's going to be near 50, but I'm going to go under. Kareem Hunt is the gentleman that we could not place a name on. The running back who was suspended eight games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. 
He was picked up by the Cleveland Browns on a steal, and uh, he's going to be a big addition to their backfield. So we'll see what Kansas City brings. Uh, you know, everybody's looking at can Tyreek Hill stay out of trouble and produce for a whole season, and can they improve on defense enough that they don't have to be in so many shootouts and maybe they can get some rest for Patrick Mahomes if he, if he does, again, go off for 50-plus touchdowns and they're averaging 38 points a game and they won't be in so many tight games like they were last year. The next team in the preview for the AFC West, the Los Angeles Chargers, they went 12-4. and They lost to the Patriots in Foxborough in the AFC Divisional Playoff game. Important losses to this team, wide receiver Terrell Williams, tight end Antonio Gates, defensive tackle Darius Fallon, and cornerback Jason Verrett. We know Antonio Gates hasn't been the same Antonio Gates for the past three or four years, but he was still, you know, Phillip Rivers' comfort down in the red zone. Just talk about maybe how things open up, how the progression of the Chargers looks on offense without Antonio Gates being that surefire guy uh, in the lineup that they know they can count on and maybe how that lets them open things up with more receivers on the field because they don't have to try to get Antonio Gates on the field, you know, just for the tenure. That opens things up for Keenan Allen, basically. I want to also just say, too, with the with the uh, Chargers, uh, you know, yes, it's a, Antonio Gates was a staple of this team. And that can never be taken away from him. But in the last few years, we have seen more receivers uh, come and go. So my thing is this at this point. Um, the Chargers, I mean, they lost Tyrell Williams. It's going to be a huge blow, you know, big. You know, there was definitely a time where What's the word looking for? There was a time where things weren't right. The additions to this team, linebacker Thomas Davis, quarterback Tyrod Taylor, defensive end Jerry Tillery, and safety Nasir Adderley. Everybody knows that the Chargers have a beast on defense. Joey Bosa looks to be back to 100% after coming off of two years with just, you know, injuries, a rookie year full of injuries. And then last year he had a foot issue. Uh, Ingram, everybody knows Melvin Ingram is a beast coming off the end, undersized defensive end, linebacker type, uh, giving you a little bit of that um, Khalil Mack feel. I think, personally, the Chargers are poised right there on the cusp of doing something special. But they always have the same bugaboo. They always start so damn slow. So if they can figure out a way to, you know, not start so slow – they may put themselves in a position where they can rest some of their players and end the season going to the playoffs fresh. And we'll see if Phillip Rivers can get that elusive Super Bowl appearance. If if Phillip Rivers made the Super Bowl, how would you think that would change the narrative around him? It would probably change a whole lot because, especially with Phillip Rivers, you know, they call him a stat pattern. They don't, they, you know. They say that he, you know, he he gets a lot of yards at the end of these games when, you know, what I'm saying his team's played ass for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter he gets them close or he comes back and wins. Yeah, the stat stuffers. Right. 
Uh, I think I think I agree with you because uh, if the Chargers can get to if they can get off to a more quicker start, if Phillip Rivers can make sure his mechanics and his progressions are on point, there's plenty of uh, weapons on this team. I mean, you still got Mike Williams, you still got Keenan Allen, of course, you still have um, Hunter Henry. Their successor to Antonio Gates. And, you know, of course, the Melvin Gordon, that's the elephant in the room in, in that L.A. Chargers camp. You know, I know he wants a new deal, but he doesn't have that Le'Veon Bell leverage that that um, Bell had. But um, I'm really it's going to defend on the What's the word? Implication of whatever it's, whatever is going on on that offensive side of the ball. I think on the defensive side, they they lost a few players, but they still have they still have Joey Bosa. They still have uh, Casey Hayward, who's one of the best corners in the league right now. Um, you know, Jason Veresa, he's lost, but uh, there's there's a quite a there's still plenty of uh, talent there in in Los Angeles, and I think if they, like I said, they can get out to a quicker start, um, they'll be fine. Shift our attention over to the Denver Broncos. They finished last year at six and ten. Their important losses are center Matt Pratis, quarter, quarterback Case Keenum. Right tackle Jared Velda here. Uh, uh, defensive tackle Damata Pico. Linebacker Brandon Marshall. Cornerback Brett Bradley Roby. And safety Darren Stewart. Um, Case Keenum, grand opening, grand closing. Got one year in, one year out. Seems kind of be the, the deal with Denver and their quarterback situation. But, I'm, door. but I'm more interested in... Brandon Marshall, one of the faster linebackers in the NFL, and Bradley Roby, one of the best uh, slot cornerbacks in the league. When you lose people like that, your defense does not necessarily improve. And uh, I just wanted, you know, if you felt the same way that those two guys off of that starting defense are going to really hurt Denver uh, a lot more than I think people are talking about right now. It's going to hurt Denver uh, with those losses of Marshall and Roby. I also think if uh, Chris Harris is healthy, he can still guard that slot position. And then you just got to wonder who's going to be on the other side of the ball. Because, of course, you can only do it so much, basically. Yeah, so with that defense, I mean, Von Miller can do but so much. You know, we know Vaughn's a beast, you know. Um, Bradley Chubb, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Shane Ray, if he's still there. There's going to like, the linebackers and that front set. The front seven is going to be the key because if the front seven can do, can get enough rush to the quarterback, it'll mask with the holes that are in the secondary. But if that front seven can't get any pressure, 
um, quarterbacks going to have a field day with this Denver defense, definitely. Is there important additions? Head coach, new head coach Vic Fangio. He takes over for Vance Joseph. Quarterback Joe Flacco, and they drafted Drew Locke. Right tackle Jawan James. Cornerbacks Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan. Linebacker Dakota Watson. Guard Dalton Reisner. Tight end Noah Fant, who they drafted. Defensive end Draymond Jones. And offensive line coach Mike Munchak. Of course, when it comes to Denver, there's only one position that everybody is concerned about. That is quarterback. John Elway got lucky and the Colts and Peyton Manning and injuries got, you know, uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning. But he hadn't been able to strike that goal since. He's gone through a whole bunch of quarterbacks with not a lot of success. He's traded for Joe Flacco and basically what is probably a last ditch effort to save his job as general manager out in Denver. Do you think Joe Flacco is going to be able to take Denver back to the playoffs and keep John Elway employed? No. Uh, If you ask me, what's Joe Flacco are we looking to get? Are we looking to get the Joe Flacco that goes on in the playoffs and is a monster, or are we going to get the Joe Flacco of the last few years who's been erratic and not having fun with the game? So I think if if he's having fun doing what he's doing, uh, well, if, he's, if you're going to have fun doing what you're doing, you know, why not do it at work? So I was going to say this, um, uh, Flacco has a chance to save, revitalize his career. That's why he's in Denver. That's why Elway brought him on. And back to the Broncos defense for a quick second. I, you know, now that, you know, with the addition of Kareem Jackson, that does help their secondary quite a bit more. Yeah, I think Kareem Jackson will, you know, do some things for the Broncos. You're right. Um, their their secondary is still one of the best, even with the loss of uh, Bradley Roby. Um, their secondary, I really like Chris Harris. He's really one of my favorite cornerbacks. I just like the way he plays man to man, and he gets right up in there, and you know he makes a lot of plays. So it'd be interesting just to see how um, if uh, uh, Lindsey uh, can repeat the year, the rookie year that he had running the ball, and can take a little bit. Of the pressure off Flacco. Um, I think Denver has a lot of questions at receiver. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is, you know, now the number one receiver after they traded Demarius Thomas, but who do they kind of have behind him that's going to make plays? I think it's going to be a big question as well. And a lot of those things will get answered uh, early on in the season for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next and final team out of the AFC West, the Oakland Raiders. They finished last year at 4-12. The important losses for the Oakland team tied in Lee Smith and Jared Cook. Running back, Mashawn Lynch. Wide receivers, Seth Roberts and Jordy Nelson. Offensive linemen, Kalichi Asamale. Defensive back, Rashawn Melvin. Defensive back, Marcus Gilchrist and Reggie Nelson. Defensive lineman, Frosty Rucker. And tackle, Donald Penn. A lot of veteran names on that list that the Raiders brought in under 
uh, John Gruden last year for leadership and kind of guys who knew what they were doing. Um, I think the biggest name that surprised me on this list, though, is Reggie Nelson, because Reggie Nelson is still, you know, somewhat of a young player, player that's capable of making plays, um, uh, you know, for a defense that really is void of any big names on it. Uh, did, was that a shocking move to you once you saw Reggie Nelson moving on from the Raiders? I would say for me, the biggest loss would be uh, not just Reggie Nelson in terms of a young DB, but uh, Marcus Gilchrist as well. Um, you know, uh, we know the Raiders did a huge purge last season when they got rid of. They got rid of Khalil Mack, and they got rid of alleged throwing of the, I don't know if it was a brick or some kind of object um, that kind of led to a departure, another departure, another key departure. Who was that that left as well? Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper. Uh, there was no obvious film, but uh, <laughs> trading, trading Amari Cooper and I'm sure Raiders fans wanted to throw objects, but that did not happen. But um, Cooper and Mac both being gone, and then cool, but they got first round picks out of that, so which they used in the draft, I think, pretty well. Um, you know, this is really a transition year for the Raiders, literally and figuratively. Of course, you know they're going to transition into something uh, better. And then on top of that, you know, obviously, you see the amenities that that Raider Nation, but the additions that the Raiders have, um, probably the biggest one for me, Antonio Brown. Uh, I All think. Right. Well, hold on, I'll go through the list so fill the people in. As you stated, Antonio Brown is the biggest number one edition headline grabber. Then they got Ryan Grant and Terrell Williams, so they made over their whole new receiving core. They got tackle Trent Brown, defensive end, uh, Ceylon Farrell, and Benson Mayowa, excuse me. Running back Josh Jacobs, who they drafted, safety LaMarcus Joyner and Jonathan Abram. Cornerback Trevon Mullen, offensive lineman Richie Incognito, linebackers Vontez Burfitt and Brandon Marshall. Uh, the Vontez Burfitt edition, that's perfect for him. Yeah, he's a he's a Raider true and true and true, isn't he? Yes. I think that's a perfect edition. Got the perfect attitude for the team. As long as he doesn't cost any lines, he should be fine. Yeah, him um, and Antonio Brown on the same team, like four years yeah, after. Uh, who would have thought that? <laughs> after he laid Antonio Brown down in that playoff game and they started a brawl. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, bygones are bygones. And that's a, that was the main reason why, to this day, Marvin Lewis has still never won a playoff game. Right. <laughs> Basically, because that game was won. That game was won. <laughs> that game was won, and now and then Marvin Lewis still must since he would no win. So yeah, we'll touch on that later on. Um, but I would say that, um, yeah, obviously, I think it's you upgrade, you trade Seth Roberts and Jordy Nelson, you get Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown. Out of the deal, 
I really don't think that I think the Raiders are gonna be okay. They're gonna have they're gonna be better than they were last year. I mean, we know what they went through. Um and then of course with all the craziness in the offseason, uncertain if they're gonna have, even have a home at the moment, but looks like they're gonna go back to uh Kazar Stadium and play the games there before. Yeah, they're, they're, it seems like they're they're trying to load up and get their talent pool and their star power up. So when they make this move to Vegas, that, like you said, this is kind of transition year. Hopefully next year they'll have everything in place and they can hit the ground running and have a great opening season in Vegas. I think the biggest question that everybody's going to have in Oakland is, does year two look better between uh, John Gruden and, Dave, and Derek Carr? Does Derek Carr you know, take the coaching and improve or will Oakland be looking for a new quarterback when they head into Vegas next year? If you were a betting man, does Derek Carr survive and is he a part of the team going forward or is he going to be somewhere else when the Raiders make their move to Vegas? I think he'll survive. I think this is something that Antonio Brown wanted He wanted to team up with Derek Carr. I think the feeling goes mutual. I think they're going to, uh, you know, quarterbacks and receivers always working on routes and connections and building that chemistry. So I think with Antonio Brown in, in California, this will be something that he can transition to with no problems. Um, of course, you have more additions that will offset Antonio Brown, like I said, with the Tyrell Williams addition. And also you have you have uh, the defensive side. I mean, Brandon Marshall, Vontaze Burfitt. Um, I also like the Marcus Joyner addition as well. And then the I think the one that we may not be talking about too much, but the really good addition is Trent Brown going from the Patriots to the Raiders. That's Derek Carr's blind side. That should be protected pretty well. So good moves by Oakland. I think they improved. They probably won't get to the promised land or the playoffs, but they'll be a much improved team than what they were a year ago. I'm going to have my eye on Cleveland Farrell from out of uh, Clemson, the defensive mm-hmm. lineman that they drafted. Was that fourth in the fourth, draft yeah. this year? That yeah. surprised a lot of people. Uh, they did not see that coming. A lot of people were, you know, clowning the Raiders uh, during the draft. But if you listen to a lot of the people who watch college football, they were like, you know what? This was like a really just a solid, safe pick for the Raiders. It wasn't a eye-grabbing pick, but it was a pick that they know the dude will produce and they won't have to worry about him being a bust. He was probably like the most bust-proof, you know, defensive lineman that they could pick if they had to pick one really high. So I'm really interested to see how he pans out and how he adjusts to the NFL and 
if he can hold his own and generate uh, some of the same type of pass rush and make some of the same type of plays he did uh, for Clemson's defensive line. Right. All right, so it's time to put a bow on the AFC West. So, Dwayne, what are your predictions? Who do you uh, say is going to win a division? And if they're going to have two wild card or two playoff teams, who is it going to be? I'm going to pretty much say it like this. It's going to be in the in the AFC uh, West, Kansas City. They're still going to be the class of division because they got the MVP uh, and the Madden cover athlete, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then the Chargers will be right there. And I'm going to go bold here. I'm going to say the Raiders are going to leapfrog the Broncos. And yeah, I'm going to go bold here. I'm going to say the Raiders leapfrog the Broncos get third and then Denver will be last in the division. I think that it's going to flip this year. I think the Chargers are going to be one or two games better than Kansas City just because I think Kansas City is going to have a problem with their defense in the beginning of the season and they may, you know, have a game that they are winning, get out of their hands because their defense is still learning. And that may be just enough of a margin for the Chargers to come out with the division crown, then the Chiefs, and then I have the Broncos and the Raiders finishing up after that. I am very, 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 very high personally on the Chargers. If they can keep the games in California, I think they're going to the Super Bowl, even if Melvin Gordon decides not to show up. If he does show up, then, you know, it's going to be a lot less pressure on Phillip Rivers. But if he doesn't, you know what I'm saying, I think they got enough backups and uh, they got enough uh, weapons in the wide receiving core that they can generate enough possession, you know, type throws a la the Patriots. They can possess the ball even with throwing and they can do a lot of damage. I, I personally am really high on the Chargers. So, Dwayne, at this time, I'll turn it over to you for your shout-outs and thank you, sir. Well, um, shout-out to CSPN, as always. Thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for having me, Don. So, thank you as well. Shout-out to you. Shout-out to all the listeners. Shout-out to my friends and family. And my final thought would just be the probably in the NBA, probably the the shock. I still can't believe Russell Westbrook is a rocket now. But I kinda give the Thunder a lot of credit for not only making the moves to, you know, show the stars that we understand you wanna go on a pursuit and because of that pursuit, you know, we've been able to win these games over the years. And I think Westbrook and Harden will be a much better pairing than, West, than Harden and CP3 ever were. And it works for CP3 because he goes back to Oklahoma City, was in his prime when he was with the Hornets franchise, the pre-Pelicans uh, franchise, that it single-handedly brought 
Oklahoma City to the basketball stage of the main sports stage. So uh, shout out to the Rockets and the Thunder making that trade happen. All right. Thank you, Dwayne, for joining me this week, as always, on Know the Score. Just want to remind everybody to please support the CSPN by going to our website, CSPN.us, clicking on the tab that says Keep Our Podcast Free. Shop with some of our sponsors to help keep the podcast free each and every week here on CSPN. Also, as well, subscribe to our Patreon page over on Patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. Check us out on Patreon. There's a lot of content up there videos podcasts exclusive only to patreon so if you only listen to the regular feed you've never heard any of these uh, or seen any of these videos or podcasts so please check out the content over there um my final thoughts probably just um college football is coming back up the clemson locker room oh my gosh did you see this thing doing did you see that Clemson redid their locker room? So that's like the big thing now since, um, oh, you know, the LSU King, did theirs. yeah, LSU and Clemson did their locker rooms. Well, LSU re, uh, showed theirs and man, they got like these pods that turn into beds. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like on one side of it, they're kind of angled. They're kind of like angled. They're all angled at these like weird angles. So on like one way you can just sit in it and it's like a regular chair, but it's like a bigger, you know, wider normal than a normal chair would be. Then you can like flip this lever and it comes out and it turns into like a bed where you can actually lay down and take a nap on it. Wow. And it's got like, uh, a holder for like their iPods and their phones and place to charge it and like storage underneath for their shoes and and whatever they need to store. Yeah, man, it is ridiculous. So I was just everybody do a, a Twitter search or a Google search for yeah, uh, LSU locker room. It's about a two and a half, three minute video and they kind of go around the the, um, the locker room and show you the different um you know, advances they've made. But yeah, so since they can't pay the boys, they're giving them the best amenities they can. And uh, this LSU locker room is just next level. So yeah, that'll be worth checking out before the college football season gets uh, started here, just to kind of see how the boys are living. So for my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente. And now you know the score.